Howdy, you're listening to the Texas A&M RUF podcast. Hope you enjoyed the talk. Hey, howdy. Howdy. Woo! Um, hey, welcome to RUF Worship Night. My name's William. I'm the campus minister here. For RUF, for anybody new, uh, visiting with us, so glad that you're here. And, you know, and I hope that it just like always goes without saying that like, hey, we we want this community to grow. That like RUF is a is not a closed community. It's an open one. We want you to invite your friends. We want more people to come in and, and do this thing, do life in Christ with us in college. Um, so yeah, if you if you are new here. Everybody was new here at some point. So glad you're here. Welcome. If there's anything I can ever do or any of our interns can ever do to answer your questions, figure out, like, hey, what does it look like to get plugged in here at RUF or, um, or whatever, we're, we're here. We love to meet with you. Um, all right, so we are working our way this semester through a grouping of psalms within the book of psalms, which is an Old Testament book. Uh, called this group of songs is called the Songs of Ascent, and like we said, these songs are they were sung by the Israelites as they would pilgrimage from all the different parts of the land of Israel to the capital city where the temple was three times a year, maybe even more than that, um, right? And so to to say that the people of God were familiar with these songs would be like a vast understatement. These songs would have just been absolutely carved into their heart and soul, kind of the same way Christmas carols and songs like that are your favorite worship songs, right? These, these songs, they were, they were formative for them. Um, and they weren't just formative for them as individuals. It was, it was formative for the Israelites as a people, Right? These songs kind of united them together, kind of like if you're at a, a dance party or a date party or something, and then all of a sudden, like, Mr. Brightside comes on, and, like, maybe, like, at first you were like, oh, man, I don't really know people in here very well. I don't know the vibe. Mr. Brightside comes on, and everybody's like, yeah, all right, this is a banger. And then, like, and now all of a sudden you've, you've gotten united to each other um, for your love of Mr. Bright Eyes. Um, right, his bonding. Um, right, and so in this song, um, you know, one of the neat things we actually get to feel is just how much of a song this song actually is, just kind of the way that it starts. And so just to kind of drive this point home, I kind of want to do something a little bit different. Some of you might feel like this is a little weird. That's okay if you feel like it's a little weird. But I actually wanted us to read this song together. So I'm going to start uh, in verse 1, and then, uh, and then you all will read along out loud with me, right? Because this is what, I mean, they would have just read this song aloud. They would have sung. They would have known the tune to this song. So you've got it in your bulletin. It's also up there. So I'll start, and then we'll all, um, we'll all read it together. Is that okay? You all cool with that? Maggie is excited now. <laughs> um, all right, so let's read. If it had not been, hold on, hold on. I'm gonna say the first part. Sorry, let me let me start off actually at the superscription. So this is a song of a sense of David. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, 
If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. Then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. It's kind of cool. We might do that again sometime this semester. Uh, hey, let's pray there real quick. Lord, uh, we just thank you that uh, we have this word. It's, and it's a word from you, even if it is the word of your people. Um, and you, you've set this song into your authoritative, infallible scriptures uh, to teach us, to actually carve into our hearts as individuals, to carve into our hearts as a, as a community, like this community sitting right now in the room, um, that, that you're seeking to form us and shape us in a particular way. And so as we just kind of dig a little bit deeper into this passage, um, would you please speak? And it's in your name we ask this. Amen. Um, let me ask you a question. What are you most afraid of you doing to ruin your life or mess up your life. What, what are you most afraid of not like happening to you? What are you most afraid of you doing to mess your life up? Um, I was talking to a friend a couple weeks ago and he was telling me about one of his friends in college um, who she, she's just like gorgeous, super fun girl. It's uh, really flirty, like just guys magnetized to her all the time. Um, and she actually confessed that, like, one of the things that she is most afraid of, like, one of her biggest fears is that if she ever got married, she's actually legitimately afraid that she would cheat on her husband one day. Like, just because it's like, her, her life has just kind of been this, like, guys are just kind of all over me. Um, and, like, as scary and kind of sad as that is, um... I'd like to submit that that level of like self-knowledge and awareness of personal weakness and flaws is actually an incredible sign of spiritual health. It really is. Because the fact of the matter is, as we see in this psalm, that God is our helper. And implicit in that is the fact that we actually need help. Right? There is a weakness there is a ability, even there's a goodness gap inherent in us. And it's just true that the, the good things we achieve, the good things we have, um, the good things that we are, all come from this positive source thing called God. Um, and like, and as he is the positive source into this negative source, that is us. Right? He is our help. Psalm 124 is, is an invitation. Like we said, Israel, come sing this song with me. It's an invitation to the community of believers to corporately lift up that ability gap, our ability gap, and the reality of the God who fills that gap 
who meets that gap to the top. Right? And it's just this song of big, big, thankful praise. And that's what we want. Like, I've got goals for REF. One of my goals for REF is because, like, I want that to be us. I want that to be the songs of our heart. I want that to be true of us as we are disciples. Um, so let's just let's look at some of the contours of this song. I'm just going to look at two things tonight um, so that we could have hearts that really are formed and shaped uh, into, into what the psalm is putting before us. Right? So first, I just want us to see uh, the God who is present, and then second, uh, the God who protects. Right? God is present, God protects. First, God is present. Um, so as you see in the, that superscription, that's just kind of like the little thing um, at the, the top of the psalm, we see that this was authored by David, as in King David, David and Goliath, David, that David. Um, and you might not be super familiar with his story, um, but one of the things that happened, you could look at this in like the book of 2 Samuel, um, when he was finally, finally, after a lot of crazy stuff, finally crowned king of Israel, um, he, he faced some immediate challenges. And one of the immediate challenges was the historic big bad guys of Israel, the Philistines, Goliath was a Philistine, uh, they immediately at the beginning of David's dynasty decided to like do this like concerted attack to take over, destabilize Israel. Um, and so that's that most Old Testament scholars agree that this Psalm and what it's talking about and the way the language it uses is actually describing that event in David's kingdom, in David's life, right? When, when uh, the Philistines were pretty much almost, sounds like almost successful in dethroning David and taking over Israel um, and bringing them in, right? And so um, when David in the psalm saying, if the Lord had not been on our side when the people were against us, then we would have been swallowed up. And then he like even indicates, like, hey, Lord, you freed us from the snare. And so in other words, he's communicating, man, they were really winning, and there was actually some moments in there where it looked like that they won. They've won. They've got us. Um, okay. So a couple things we can just speak into that reality. Uh, in this ancient Near Eastern struggle for power, we see from our psalm that God actually picked sides. Right? If the Lord were not on our side. Um, in, in the original Hebrew there, that phrase, if the Lord had not been on our side, with that it is just the past tense rendering of the Hebrew phrase, Emmanuel. And so the psalmist is saying the truth about God, his track record, is that in the past, he Emmanueled. And Emmanuel simply means God with us. God with us in the past. Uh, and that might sound familiar to you. Um, if it does, it's probably because that is the title that angels declared over Jesus, who just so happens to be a descendant of this same David, actually. And they were saying, do you, do you know who Jesus is? This person, born of a woman, 
that he is God with us. And, and so I just belabor that point, just spread before you the fact that whether it is the Old Testament people of God in this psalm, before Jesus came, or whether it's the New Testament people of God after Jesus came, the way God has always been, the thing he has always done, is that he is carving out for himself. He is setting out for himself uh, in the midst of this real world that we actually live in, in real history. He is setting apart a specific people that he is with and that he is for. And then the yikes piece of that, if you're kind of doing the math, is that is that they're people that then aren't up in that. So if God has a specific people he is with, then there is the other people that he is not with, right? That he is not with and he is not on their side. Um, and look, as I, as I say that, like, I know for a lot of you, there's probably this, like, inward cringe happening right now. Uh, this gut-level reaction that goes, like, Ugh, that feels so regressive and exclusive to say. Uh, some of you might even go in, like, dude, that's what's wrong with Christianity. Right? That's what's wrong with Christianity. That's why I just can't get on board with this. Because y'all just think you're the best. And God loves you. And you're just the righteous people. And everyone else sucks. And they're the worst. And most awful people. And like, whatever. God loves you. And you're just sending everybody to hell. Um, and like, ugh, like, I can't believe I'm hearing that from you right now. Um, and look, I, I, I hear that. I hear that. I understand. Um, I understand that sentiment. Because, you know, here, here's what's right about that feeling. That there are a lot, a lot of you have experienced a lot of so-called Christians in Christianity that absolutely live and talk and it feels in the way they feel when you interact with them, the way they treat other people is, is just like that. Like uber judgmental ugh, yuppie. That's like the, you know, the, the movie Christian stereotype or whatever. But here's what's wrong, if you'll allow me to kind of wade into this. Here's what's wrong, that believing that kind of behavior or that that Christianity has anything to do with, like, the actual God of the Bible or the actual people that God has set apart and said, I am with these people. Um, right? I, mean, I just want to put that in clear focus, that, like, I, I am genuinely sorry for anybody in this room that has like experienced Christians or churches as this self-righteous, judgmental, nasty thing. And just hear me loud and clear. What you experience is something masquerading as real Christianity. And, and it in itself is an enemy of God. That he is not on the side of that. Okay, big claim there, right? How can we make it? Because whose side is God actually on? Let me, um, let me put it like this. Why were the Philistines in David's day still such a huge problem for the Israelites? Frankly, because the Israelites never did what God actually asked them to do, which was to push them out of the promised land. And so when the Philistines just reared their ugly head over and over and over again and threatened to undo Israel and 
you know, almost destroy them, <laughs> Israel is just constantly reminded, like, oh, oh yeah, like that unfinished business. Oh yeah, we never actually did what God asked us to do in those things. And so it's just this chronic reminder, like, oh, this is a disaster, and we have nobody to blame but ourselves. And so in this psalm, you just have this song of a deeply humbled people singing together, we need help from God because we are a mess and we can't get out of our own way. And that's Christianity. That is who God says, this is whose side I'm on. I'm on the side of the people that sing that. Um, Jesus, Jesus put it this way. Um, he said, you know who I came for? I, did, I didn't come for the sick people. Came for, or I, didn't, sorry, I didn't come for the well people. I came for people that are sick. I didn't come to save righteous people. Righteous people don't need saving. I came for sinners. Right? That Jesus is with the lowly and the contrite of heart. Those are my people. Um, you know, one of the cool things, um, I'm, a, I'm a dad times three. And uh, one of the cool things about being that is actually seeing my dad and the way he interacts with my little girls. Because uh, I, ha- I, I haven't seen him act that way since I myself was a toddler. Um, and I just I love watching my dad because when he's with them, and he actually, my dad has pretty bad arthritis in his hips and, you know, he's old. Um, but when he's with my daughter, he doesn't stay, like, up here and just interact down with them. Like, he even his, like, creaky joints gets all the way down on the floor with them. And, like, reads them books, plays with their stuffed animals um, with them. <laughs> and, and once he's down there, it's really hard for him to get up again because um, he's old. Uh, but there is, which, hey, Dad, if you're listening, I love um, He does listen. Uh, so, uh, I think there's actually a beautiful picture there um, of what it's like for God to be with us. Right? Do you know that he is on the side of his people? And he gets all the way down and into our joys, into our pain, into our fear, our sufferings. And he gets all the way down to us upon his own pain, upon his own suffering on the cross. And he doesn't get up. He stays down here with us. In fact, the way we experience that, like this side of the cross, this side of Jesus, even as he's seated up there, you know what? He he wasn't going to go up there until he was going to leave us with something down here. His very own Holy Spirit. We're told in the scriptures, that the Holy Spirit is down with us here. And it's, it's even groaning. The Holy Spirit is groaning with us and experiencing life with us. It's groaning over our sin. The Holy Spirit is bottling up our tears and our disappointment. The Holy Spirit says, I'm not going anywhere. These are my people. For no other reason than they need me. They actually need my help. Do you believe that? Right, that the worst things about you, the biggest problems in your life, are actually the things that qualify you for belonging to God. That's good news. 
Right, so God is present. He's with his people. And God protects. Okay, so David, he rattles off all these word pictures of what it felt like to be under attack and vulnerable. And, um, and, and what would have happened if God did not intervene uh, in particular ways? Um, the Philistines, are, they're actually kind of presented. It doesn't come across in the English quite as clear. But they're basically presented as this watery chaos dragon. Um, and it's like it's it's this they're this horrible predatory beast that's just waiting to chomp down and devour Israel like a little tiny bird. Um, and and I looked it up, like I went back to the original uh, passage in Second Samuel uh, where it tells this story, and there's really not much detail as to how Lord the Lord helped them. It just kind of says the Lord helped them; He defeated the Philistines on behalf of Israel. And I actually think that's kind of cool that we don't know how. This kind of feels like, well, Israel, they just defeated them and the Lord did it. I actually think there's something profound there um, because it communicates something that I know at least I need to hear. Um, and it's this. That when we experience success in the Christian life, and maybe it's just that like that first bottom rung ultimate success of, hey, we come to trust in the saving power of Jesus alone by grace alone, that's success. That's, that's huge. That's kind of the, the big thing. It's the first thing, and it's the thing. Um, or even just things like, hey, when we start to have success uh, in, in our walk with God. Like we find ourselves making, making better decisions in our behavior than we did in the past. So like maybe for you, it's like, like gossip is maybe like a thing that you just find your heart returning to over and over again. And maybe you like have found yourself in a few situations where you're like, ooh, like I could really drop some juicy stuff out of my mouth into this situation but, like, something takes hold of you, and you're like, yeah, but actually, I mean, that's, like, really poison for me, and it's poison for the other people in the room, and, like, it certainly is to do evil against the people, uh, like, I'm, I'm gossiping about. And, like, instead of, like, bleh, it, like, you just stay silent, and you keep it in. Like, that's a success. That's huge. Um, I think there's something beautiful that this psalm is teaching us, which is... Just ask the question, do you know why that happened? Do you know why you became a believer? Do you know why you actually experienced Christian growth in your behavior? It's because God is invisibly, silently, behind the scenes of your soul, protecting you from evil. Right? Protecting you from you, even. Um, and he's just doing that all the time in ways that we don't even see or know or understand um, but when we can actually do what this song is beckoning us to come do, which is to just stop, reflect, take stock of like what's true of us, and just praise God for being the prime mover, the prime cause, the, the power source behind those things in our life and our behavior. Like that's just saying, like now we are tapping into what real spirituality looks like is we can look at like the, the things that are the best about us and go like, man, God is so good. 
to have like made that well up out of me. And if he was not on our side, that would have not welled up out of me. Okay, so having said that, I think there's like a good question that could be like tennis racketed back. What do we do with the times when God seems like maybe he's not protecting us from evil? Like he's letting bad things, suffering things happen to us, or when he lets me be me and do me in the bad way. Um, what do we do with God kind of being the protector helper of his people then? Um, so first, again, I just want to acknowledge that like a question like that, doesn't, it's, that's just not in this like academic ivory tower um, vacuum. Like people ask questions like that because of real pain, real suffering that they've experienced in their life, that you've experienced in your life. Um, okay, so I just want to acknowledge that we're, that we're dealing with that. Um, but, this, but this is where Christianity can take us in helping answer that question. Right? It takes us to a cross where the God, the protector of his people, where he stood in front of the full force tsunami of what would be our worst enemy, which is actually God's very own wrath. Right? That, that is the biggest problem that we have. And on the cross, he just absorbed all the way to the bottom, all of that. And he protects us like an impenetrable force field, and we are completely unscathed by the biggest problem that we have. And he's torn to pieces by it. And so what that means is at the very least, the things that seem to break through God's force field of protection, they don't break through his protection because God is against us. Because that's a cosmic impossibility. Because he's ultimately for us and he is ultimately absorbed on our behalf. Um, right, the, his wrath, his anger. So when bad things fall on us, or when we're allowed to, you know, hurt ourselves, that's not God enacting punishment on us. He can't, he can't anymore. And even more, I think we can say, I think we can push for it. So at the very least, we can say this isn't because God hates us. I think we can take, take it a step further and say that actually those things that do break through, they're not there because God doesn't like us. They're actually there to further unite us to him as he is the suffering God. Um, let, me just, let me close with this. All right, so in the book of Revelation, we get this prophetic vision of like the heavenly throne room of God. And there's just like crazy angelic things of like that thing has a bull's head and a you know lion head and an eagle head. And they're all like singing and there's all these like elders and they're throwing crowns down. It's just this amazing, gigantic worship scene that's like blowing the roof off heaven. And then the, the camera lens zooms in, like all the way, like right to the throne. And there's this group of people that like are as, it is impossible to get closer to the throne 
than those people. Do you know who those people are? The quote, they are the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God, for the witness they had borne. Right? Nobody gets closer to God than those who suffer for God. Right? No one gets closer to God than those that through the bumps and the bruises and maybe even some of them really dang self-inflicted persevere and hang on to the thing that is true is that my God is God that he is merciful that he is kind that he has died for me that the only place where righteousness is ever going to come from is him that those people it is impossible to get closer to the throne of heaven than those people than us um, so look what does that mean that means that no matter what feels like it's getting the best of you no matter what feels like it like this is defeating me right now the only power that that actually has when your posture is my help is in the name of the Lord. And that's my only help. I'm not my help. My circumstances aren't my help. My abilities aren't my help. Then the worst thing those powers, the, the worst thing those things have the power to do is to just push you right up closer to God's very throne. That's protection. That's the kind of protection that God's given us. That's where it's singing praises over. Let's pray. Um, Lord, it's, just, it's good news. Um, it's good news that, um, that we're powerless. It's good news that we are completely unable to physically save ourselves from physical death. It is good news that we are spiritually unable to save ourselves from spiritual death. And it's good news because the reality is that you have done it. And it's actually those that take the posture because it says, I am empty, and God, you are full. I am empty of good, you are full of good. It's those that get to be full. It's those that you say, man, I am just so pleased to dwell with the lowly and with the contrite of heart. And it's actually through that opposite, upside-down world economy of things uh, that you actually make us righteous, that you actually then make us people that can really and truly live for righteousness because we're not doing it to earn our place with you. We're doing it because you've earned our place with you. Uh, and I just pray that you would sink that truth a little bit deeper into our hearts tonight. In your name, Jesus, we give all thanks and praise. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Texas A&M RUF podcast. If y'all are interested in joining us for a future worship night, we would absolutely love to see y'all at All Face Chapel uh, on the north side of campus across from Sabisa at 8 p.m. on Wednesdays. Go ahead and follow at AggieRUF on Instagram for updates about any other events that we might be putting on throughout the semester. Uh, Thank you all so much for listening, and we hope to see you all around sometime.